We celebrate all of our ladies today. Uh, if you came this morning and you haven't been over to the table, that's got all the beautiful gifts over there. Uh, be sure to go by there. Um, sometime we'll have a drawing here at the end of service. And so uh, we'll give you a few minutes before we do the drawing to go back there if you've not put your name in the baskets. Also, we have a special gift for every lady that's here. Uh, it's a, we're giving diamonds out today. Uh, they're not real, but <laughs> it's still a diamond. And uh, so, but we have a diamond pin uh, for every uh, lady that's come. And if for some reason you open it up and it does not work, I have extra uh, refills that you can get. We want to make sure your pin works because I know sometimes that happens, right? Somebody gives you a pin at a church thing or something, you walk out the door and the thing don't work, so you throw it in the trash. What good was that? Well, we have refills and we want to, uh, we want to make sure that your pen is working uh, before you leave here today. But thank you, everybody, for being here this morning. And uh, y'all just remember, we have several that are traveling today. And uh, so um, be praying for them that they have safe travels and they come back today. Some of you may be traveling here the next day or even today to go to family and see family members uh, for this special day. And so we'll pray for you as well. Uh, today we're continuing a series we've been doing since Easter. And it's called the Easter Challenge. And what we've been doing is, you know, a lot of times people come to Easter, but they don't necessarily come to church other times. And so what we've done is on this Easter Challenge, it covers the different aspects of the church and the different things that we face as a church, things that we go through. And we've looked at all different kinds of things. Today I want to look at the mission. Um, and some of you may be remember a story and and I don't know this happened in 2018 happened in January I remember this and I remember thinking oh my goodness I can't believe somebody did that but a state worker they chose the wrong menu item for the state alert system and they sent an alert to the entire island of Hawaii that said this ballistic missile threat inbound to Hawaii seek immediate shelter this is not a drill. I don't know if y'all remember that, but I remember that on the news. I remember hearing the story about it. And for about half an hour, many people in, in the state of Hawaii, they thought they were just about to die in a nuclear blast. And maybe some of you even saw some of the photos of that day where parents were lowering their children down into manholes for shelter. I mean, it, you can only imagine what was going through their mind, what was going through their thought process as they get this text alert on their phone. The panic they might have felt, the, the, uh, the anxiety that probably rose, you know. Um, but I also believe that people were probably started making uh, decisions, started thinking about things real quickly, trying to figure out how can I get a message to a child or to a loved one. What would I say to someone in this moment, knowing that, thinking that I only had 20 minutes to live? And I tend to wonder, what would I do? What would I do? I, I'd like to think that I would find the most crowded place that I could, and I would give my very best and my very last altar call sermon. But maybe if it actually happened, I'd probably be much less noble. And either way, that thought of, 20 minutes left to live gives some real perspective to what's important and what we're doing 
right here on this earth. Jesus tells us what is important. He gives us our mission, and it comes at a point when the Pharisees are trying to trap him in something once again. If you, if you want to, you can look with me at the story. It's found in Matthew chapter 22, and I want to begin reading at verse 34. Matthew chapter 22, beginning at verse 34. The words are on the screen. I'm reading from the NIV. Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. Beginning at verse 34 of chapter 22, it says this. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Now, what was an expert in the law? They knew all 613 laws. <laughs> These guys knew it frontwards, backwards. They could quote it probably. Not, maybe not, they might not could quote all of it, but they knew the law. That was their job. That was their responsibility to understand and know the law. It says that he tested him with this question. And so he asked Jesus, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Now, understand the question asked Jesus, this was not a, a new one because the scribes have been debating this question uh, for centuries. This was not something new. There were 613 commandments in the law, and of those 613, they had categorized 248 laws as positive and 365 as negative and no one person could ever hope to know and fully obey all 613 commandments so to make it easier the experts divided the laws into heavy and light a person could major on the heavy commandments and not worry about the trivial ones now the fallacy behind this approach is obvious you only break one law, heavy or light, to be guilty before God. James chapter 2 verse 10 says, For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. So what does Jesus do? He takes all 613 laws and he sums it up in just two. He basically says, I can, he says basically, Number one, the greatest commandment is you got to love God. And he went a step further. He didn't say that you just got to love God and that's it. He said, no, you got to love God with your whole being, with your mind, your heart, your soul. Everything that is about you, you've got to love God. And then he says the second one is just as great. Love your neighbor as yourself. These were the basis of everything that Jesus was talking about. This was the mission for us believers today. Now, real quickly, I want to go to Matthew chapter 28. Just want to read a couple of verses. I want us to know what our, our, commi our commission is from God. You've seen this. You've heard it. You've probably read it multiple times. But Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20, he says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This was the Great Commission. Jesus wants us to go and make disciples. The only way that we can do this is to live and teach the Great Commandment. Our mission that God has given us, that Jesus has spoken to all of us, is to love the Lord with all our heart, soul, and mind, and we are to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Jesus told us all to go. He said to go and make disciples. Go. He basically was telling us, this is what I want you to do. And the way he wants us to do this is by teaching the great commandments, to live the great commandments. Love God, love our neighbors. Let's break this down for a moment today. The first one's love God. In verse 37 of our text, Jesus is actually quoting from Deuteronomy. It's a statement of faith known as the Shama. This is something that every Orthodox Jew recited daily, so the audience that was there with Jesus that day, they knew these words by heart. Every morning they would get up and they would cite this. They would say, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That was, that was what they said. Every single morning they would get up. It was a routine. It's kind of like we all have a routine that we go through, don't we? We get up in the morning, we may go to the bathroom, we may take a shower, then we get out and we brush our teeth, put clothes on, comb our hair, whatever you do. We go through a routine, don't we? This was a part of their routine. Every single morning they would get up. So therefore, it wasn't something for them to have to memorize because they already memorized it. Jesus was just showing it to them. He was pointing it out to them. He says, this is the greatest commandment. They knew this commandment. They understood this commandment. It was easy to love God because it was a part of them. They had seen Mama get up every single morning and say her prayers, do her chores, do what she was supposed to do. This was the first thing that she did. Every one of us have seen people do this. As a a part of their life, they understood what this was. The greatest commandment to love God with all that we are and all that we have. And Jesus is telling us to love God with everything that we have. If you notice, Jesus doesn't leave a part of us out. He doesn't leave any part of us out. He covers it all. In three simple words, he covers it all everything our whole being our whole life let's break it down look at it the heart what is the heart it refers to primarily to our emotional response in the new testament heart is the word most commonly used to denote the inner uh, nature of man the secret core of his being where the springs of his intellectual and moral activity reside so when god was looking Think about this. When God was looking for a king to replace Saul, he told Samuel this in in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. He said, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. 
You see, the heart's the center of everything that we do. We're, we're driven by our heart. If the heart stops beating, what happens? We die. Life is over. We, we no longer exist. The only way that we exist is that the heart's beating. If you've ever watched a crime show or anything, what's the first thing that they do when they walk in on a, a body that's, that's there, that's they presumes dead? They check the pulse. They want to see if the heart's beating. When somebody's working on them and they say, you know, they've coded, what do they do? They try to, they try to uh, uh, get the heart going. They shock the heart to try to get it pumping again. Why? Because the heart is our lifeblood. It is all about the heart. If we do not have, if our heart is not pumping blood throughout our body, then we die. We perish. We are no longer a part of this world. The heart is the center of everything. The heart is the seat of the conscience. It is naturally wicked and it contaminates the whole life and character. The heart must be changed before we can willingly obey God. The process of, a, of salvation, it what? It begins in the heart. We hear the words of testimony of what God has done and we start a process of belief by a heart change. When the heart change takes place, we surrender our life over to God. Salvation begins with the heart. Not only did Jesus use the word to love him with all of our heart, he also said what? To love him with all of our soul. The soul, it includes the willful decision-making part of us. Loving God with our soul covers those times when we love God apart from our feelings, such as when we truly forgive another while part of us feels like we just want to knock their head off. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> there is something about our soul. We have love for those people even though that we may not necessarily care for them. Why? Because our soul has been changed. We love God more than we love our own desires. We love God more than we love our own life itself. See, when Jesus came to earth to die on a cross, he gave up his life. He gave up his soul for us. That's what he did. He surrendered his life and said, I lay my life down for those people. Even on the cross, what did Jesus say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He still had compassion. He still showed love for souls that were on either side of him. For the souls that had even tortured him. He told the, the thief on the cross that you would be with me in paradise today. There was a, not only a heart change, but a soul change. The soul was able to, to go into paradise because Jesus told us. Love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and the third thing he said was, love the Lord your God with all your mind. Mind, it refers to an active component of our love for God. It is the part of us in which thought takes place and perception and decisions to do good and evil come to expression. In a world where faith is often described as characteristic of people who don't think, Jesus' words point to the importance of engaging our mind as a central aspect of what we believe. Loving God with our mind covers much more than the practice of thinking about God. If we place our mind into service for God, it will enjoy its greatest usefulness. 
The word that God uses for love here, it's agapeo, which means totally unselfish love. The kind of love that we are only capable to do with the help of the Holy Spirit. God's Spirit helps us love Him as we should. God wants our love and devotion, not just our obedience. Do you hear what I'm saying? He doesn't want us just to be obedient. He wants our love. He wants our devotion towards Him. God wants His people to love Him. The heart is the center of the desires and affections. The the soul is a person's being and uniqueness. The mind is the center of a person's intellect. To love God in this way is to fulfill completely all the commandments regarding one's vertical relationship. You know, if you look at the Ten Commandments, the first four, and this is, I'm thinking this through here, the first four is our vertical relationship between us and God. The last six is the horizontal relationship to other people. That's what Jesus was, he summed up even the Ten Commandments right here. The first one is to love God. How do we love God? By not putting any other image or anything else in front of him. We love him and him only. He is, the, in, he is in, in the forefront of everything that we do. We love God. We submit to his will. We submit to his desires. We submit to what he has for us. That's how we love God. The second thing that Jesus said was he said, love your neighbor as yourself. That's what he said. He said this one, and he said this one's just as important as the first. He says, you need to do this. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's the, that is the horizontal relationship. The first law talked about our vertical relationship with God. This second law, uh, Jesus said, is just as important. This law talks about our horizontal relationship with each other. You, listen to me, you cannot maintain an upward relationship with God without caring for each other. 1 John chapter 4, verse 8 says, Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. You see, Jesus gave the easy part first. This is the same thing that they had, been, they had grown up. They understood this. It was the Shama. They knew what it was because Mama quoted it every single morning. Daddy quoted it. Everybody in the family quoted it. They knew it. That was the first thing they did because they knew about loving God. That's what they had been told. Now, whether they had obeyed the laws or, or, or fulfilled the laws or done what they were supposed to do, every family knew that they were supposed to love God. The second part that Jesus said was a different story. Because you see, there was people out there that they did not just, they didn't love. They didn't want Those people were unclean. Those people were awful. They were evil. They were terrible. We don't have anything to do with them. Tax collectors, sinners, Samaritans. We don't want those people in our life. We don't want to have anything to do with them. If we touch them or hang out with them or do anything with them, then we'll be unclean and we have to go through a purifying process. But Jesus tells them, he says, you've got to not only love God, but you have to love your neighbor as yourself. See, a lot of these people, they only wanted to love their neighbor when it fit in their box. 
They only wanted to love their neighbor when it made sense to them. This wasn't the first time that Jesus had talked to them about loving their neighbor. In Luke chapter 10, an expert of the law asked Jesus the question. This is a completely different story. He asked him, he said, who is my neighbor? And this is where Jesus begins to tell the story of the Good Samaritan. Some of y'all may know this story. We've probably heard this story. You may have seen things uh, adaptations of, of this story, but the story goes something like this. There was a, a man was walking down the road, minding his own business one day, just going about his business, and these thieves came out of hiding. They robbed the guy, they beat him up, and they left him for dead, and they just left him there. And as the man was lying there, a priest comes by, and he uh, tries to avoid this man as much as possible. He did not want to get close to him. What if he's dead? Because if he touched an, a dead body, then it's considered unclean. And then, so he ignores him, and then a Levi comes by, and he sees him too, and he's like, you know, if I touch this guy, I'm, I'm going to be unclean. I, I don't want to touch this guy. So he tries to avoid him as much as possible and goes around him. Then a third man come, and this guy was probably one of the most hated people uh, that the Jews thought. They were just terrible. They were evil. They, were, they shouldn't be a part of them. They're not good enough it was kind of like the 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 tax collectors were here the samaritans were about as low as the tax collectors were on the bottom of the food chain they were at the bottom lepers were even better than the samaritans and this samaritan walks by and he sees the man and he bends down he bandages his wounds he he helps him back he takes him to a hotel. He places him in the hotel. He pays for his lodging. He pays for his food. He takes care of him. He says, and anything else he has, he needs, I will come, I'll be back by, and I will take care of that as well. Jesus wanted the man to know, the expert of the law, the guy that knew all 613 laws, he wanted him to know that your neighbor could be anybody, even the person that you hate the most. Who is your neighbor? Because Jesus was showing him that, look, everybody, even the people that we can't stand to be around, even the people that may not, we may not even think that they could be on our level, they are still our neighbor. Any person that has breath in their lungs, that's the neighbor. So maybe you're wondering this morning, well, how do I love my neighbor? You know, and I could probably stand up here the rest of the day and I could give you a list of things to do to show love towards your neighbor. I could probably give you a a list as tall as that wall. You know, remember I said that loving God is the easy part. Loving your neighbor isn't always easy. But you can't have a love relationship with God without having a love relationship with your neighbor. So how do you show love to your neighbor? I don't have a three-point answer, but I can just, I can give you some suggestions. The rest is up to you to figure it out. But you know, we can start loving your neighbor by praying for them. We can pray for our neighbor. You know, a funny story these two neighbors didn't get along they hated each other one of them went to church some of y'all may have heard this one of them went to church and he started listening and he went another week and he started getting into church and so one day he he goes home and he goes over to the neighbor that he hates and he mows his yard 
And this neighbor's just floored, couldn't believe it. I can't believe this neighbor of mine that we've had this rivalry, we've hated each other all these years, I can't believe he's mowing my yard. So he goes over and he knocks on his door. Neighbor comes to the door and he says, can I help you? And he says, yeah, I'm just wondering why did you mow my yard? Neighbor, this neighbor tells him, says, well, I went to church. The guy's like, oh, okay. He says, uh, I was listening to the preacher. I've been there a few weeks. The preacher was talking. He says that if we will do something good for our neighbor, then God is going to heap coals of fire upon your head. And I just hope he burns your brains out, you know. Now, let me just say, that's not how you're supposed to treat your neighbor. You're supposed to show love towards your neighbor. You can start loving your neighbor by praying for them. You can love your neighbor by doing an act of kindness. You can love your neighbor by giving them a thoughtful gift. You can love your neighbor by talking to them. It doesn't matter what you do. It's just the fact that you do something. Loving our neighbor isn't hard if we have the love of Jesus in our heart. And remember what Jesus said on the cross about those that were crucifying. Father, forgive them. He loved his neighbor even while dying on the cross. It's that kind of love that we need in our life, that even when our neighbor does something wrong to us, and understand, I'm not talking about the person next to you necessarily. Your neighbor could be anybody. It could be anybody. I'm not just talking about the guy next door. I'm not just talking about the guy across the street or, or two blocks over. Your neighbor is anybody that you come in contact with. We love our neighbor. We love the people around us. From, from the day that you first got saved, the mission never changed. You're to love God, and you're to love your neighbor. Now let me throw this out there. One, and I'm finishing with this. Maybe the reason why you're having a hard time loving your neighbor is because you haven't learned to love yourself. Maybe the reason that you're having a hard time loving your neighbor is that you haven't learned to love yourself. Can I tell you, Jesus loves you. He loves you so much. He cares for you so much that he wants so much for you that Jesus wants to just wrap his arms around you and show you how much he loves you. No matter where you're at in your, in your walk with Christ, maybe you've just made it at the beginning. Maybe you've just said a prayer. Maybe you've not even started that journey yet. Maybe you're somewhere in the middle. You've been serving God for a little while now. You're still learning. You're still trying to figure things out, but you know you've got a long ways to go. Or maybe you've been serving God all your life, and you're looking for the day that you can go and be with Him. Wherever you're at in your life, in your journey, I want you to know Jesus loves you. He cares for you. He's not through with you. He, he, he has so many great and wonderful plans for you. We just need to understand or learn how to love ourselves so that we can be who God wants us to be. God loves you. He cares for you. He wants you to love your neighbor. He wants you to love God. He wants to experience that love in, a, in an amazing way. Can we pray? Lord, we just thank you for this time that we can come and be in your house. God, I ask that everybody that's here, God, I pray that you would touch their hearts, that you would touch their lives. I pray that you do a work in their lives.
God, I pray that you would move and stir in their hearts, Lord God. If there's someone here, God, that is needing a heart change, then I hope that these two words, these two thoughts today that you've given us, to love you with all of our heart, our mind, and our soul, and to love those around us, to love our neighbors. I pray that we can make a change today. We can serve you. We can love you. We can hear your voice speaking to us. And we can go and fulfill what you've called us to do. God, I pray for everybody here in this room, God. Anybody here that may not know you, God, that today is their day. They want to receive you as their Savior. God, if there's anybody at home watching today, God, I pray that if they are here and they want to receive you as their Savior, Speak to their hearts. Speak to their lives. God, I pray right now that they open up to receive from you. I want to ask you a question this morning. All heads bowed, eyes closed. I want to give you an opportunity. The Bible says that in order to be what we call saved, you have to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus loves us and he cares for us. He, he wants to change our life. He wants to change our heart. He loved us so much that he went to a cross and he died on that cross for us. Today we have an opportunity to anybody, whether you're here in-house or you're at home watching, you have an opportunity to see, receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Jesus loves you. He wants to come into your life. He wants to change your life. He wants to make a difference in your life. And this morning, I want to give everyone an opportunity that's here or at home to make that change in their life. Can we all say this together? Say, dear Jesus, I admit that I am a sinner. I confess that I need a Savior. Today, I give my heart to you. Come into my life and make me clean. I want to serve you. I give my life to you. I am no longer my own, but I am yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you said that prayer this morning, I want you to be sure to tell someone. This is one of the greatest journeys that you'll ever start. If you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, and today you did, today is the first day of the greatest journey of your life. I believe that Jesus wants to do some amazing things in your life. He wants to walk with you each and every step. He wants to help you. Tell someone that you love of what happened today. You can even tell me, and I can help you walk with you, whatever, whatever you need. And we can help you in that journey. Amen. I want to uh, give... Just a couple of announcements. One of, well, yeah, a couple of announcements this morning. And then we want to, uh, um, if you want to go ahead and go back and if anybody needs to come. If you uh, haven't registered for one of the gift baskets, ladies, uh, please go back. At this time, you can go back and go ahead and register for one of the gift baskets. We also have the, 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 the pins back there as well. You can pick one of those up as well. And we'll do the drawing here in just a second.
Uh, just a couple of announcements. Um, youth tonight at 6. And, uh, and so uh, make plans to be here for that. Also, uh, Roll Rangers are selling ribs. If you'd like to make an order, please see a Roll Ranger uh, or a commander. The ribs will be available Memorial Day weekend. The ribs are $25 for a rack of ribs. And you only have probably, what, about a week to get your order in. And uh, so, also, this coming Saturday, we have, a lot of, or, yeah, we have a lot of stuff happening on the 14th here. We have our ladies' coffee at 10 a.m., and so all ladies are invited to be a part of that. And then we also have, in the afternoon, we're having, last year in July, we had a, a men's uh, rib fellowship. And we got together, we played some games, had a good time, and we ate ribs and all the trimmings. And uh, so we've moved it up a couple of months. Uh, it's going to be a little cooler, and it looks like it's not going to be any cooler. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but we did move it up a couple of months to May, and so we're doing that this Saturday, the 14th. Uh, and so all men are invited to come out at 5 o'clock and eat ribs and, uh, and eat all the fixings and all the good stuff. So it's going to be a great time. Um, is there anybody else that needs to go sign up? We're fixing the draw. 